From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us today. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, Bud, here we are, our uh, first run at this. The maiden voyage. I look forward to it. I appreciate the opportunity to come and uh, share things about what's going on in the Lincoln business community and try to help the business community be a little more aware of the issues that are happening that affect our businesses every day. One of the big things that happened this past week was the special election for first district uh, seat that was vacated by Jeff Fortenberry at election on Tuesday. Some pretty interesting results, and I think you broke down the numbers. I, it was very interesting. You know, it's something that hasn't happened in Nebraska for 50, 50 or more years. 1951. So, was so yeah. yeah. So uh, it's been a long time since we've had a special election, and I think people aren't thinking about elections in June because we just had our primary um about a month ago, just a little over a month ago. The interesting thing to me was going into the election was what is the turnout going to look like? You know, people aren't used to it. People aren't ready for an election in June per se. And there's one thing on the ballot. So when you went into the ballot box, it probably took you about five seconds to fill out your ballot and go. But interestingly enough, the the overall turnout was just about 27.2%. 7.4%, I think, is what it was throughout the district, which was a little higher than some predicted. But here in Lancaster County, what I was fascinated by was we actually had a higher voter turnout percentage, um, just under 35%. Uh, it was 34.79% here in June this week, earlier this week. But in May at the primary, it was 33.6%. That's uh, that's an interesting statistic. There. It is very interesting, especially it's, when you'd you, almost think it's upside down. Yeah, I would have thought going into it. I when I looked at these numbers this morning, I looked at it and I went, "That's kind of weird." Um, just because you would think with a gubernatorial primary, with what do we have, twenty or thirty? I mean, I think there's like nine is what it ended up being candidates on the Republican side and some of those types of things. I was kind of intrigued by that. So obviously there was some good turnout. We'll have to wait as the final numbers come through to see how much of that was the early vote, um, what the partisan breakdown was, and and kind of look at where maybe the, the shift happened. So it's kind of interesting. Lancaster County was uh, the antithesis, if you will, of all other portions of the district. So it, Lancaster County was the only county that Patty Pansy Brooks won. Yeah, that was interesting, too. But it was also interesting, the turnout in all the other counties was significantly lower than Lancaster County. Uh, Sarpy County, which I thought would be a a strong turnout county, the people of Sarpy County vote, it was like 15 16%. That seems really low. And then those other rural counties were between that 15 to 27 or 28%. So kind of fascinating that... It kind of fell that way. Did the redistricting have anything to do with that in, in like, Sarpy County? Because I think that was the one county that came into the district uh, after the census, correct? I think it, it did have some effect. Now, the Sarpy County 
was there was a little part of Sarpy County that was in the first congressional district, but that expanded a little bit with redistricting. So I think there might have been some folks that that just didn't know. So and we've got a lot of things in the general election. It'll be interesting to see what this what this race looks like in the general election, just because we've got a gubernatorial race. We'll have the congressional race. There's potential for maybe anywhere from two to four or five different ballot initiatives to be on the ballot. So it'll be interesting to see what items draw people out to vote in the fall. Well, Mike Flood won the election, 53.2% of the total vote in the district. Patty Bansing Brooks, 468 but they fade us off again in November. Yeah, and, and that's another interesting, I mean, another interesting twist, right? The Because they were both nominated by their parties during the primary. So um, I think both parties are are energized to get ready for the fall and see uh, what they can do to support those candidates here to represent the first district in Congress. Election turnout, uh, as you mentioned, was a little light, probably. Uh, yeah, to me it was, it felt, in Lancaster County, it kind of felt like our city elections, which our city elections fall in those odd-numbered years. But if you look at, you know, the last mayoral election, which was 2019, the the general election was about just under 37%, and the primary was about 31 So it felt kind of like a mayoral-type city election turnout. Um, of course, I, I'm very passionate about elections and voter turnout, and anything less than 100, I'm disappointed. So I think whatever we can do to make sure the business people get out there and vote. And, you know, we were fortunate at LIBA. We, we hosted a, a forum with Patty Panzing Brooks and Mike Flood one week before the election, just hoping to, you know, make sure our members got a chance to hear from them and also just to bring that awareness to the special election. So I think, you know, in the general election, we'll probably see a 65% turnout statewide, which is pretty normal during a gubernatorial election. And a lot of ballot initiatives, possibly. Oh, my gosh. If you go to the Secretary of State's website and look at all the ballot initiative potential out there, there's a lot of them. And, you know, and for instance, the airport... There's one about airports that's going to be on there that was actually passed at the legislature. So there's a few the legislature passed. There's the ones where people have run the petitions and all those things. So And those are due, I, I think, next week sometime. So here in the next few weeks or by the end of July, we'll have a good idea of what ballot initiatives we'll be looking at come fall. Well, in just a moment, we're going to talk a little more local Lincoln-Lancaster County uh, so budget. Uh, we've got change in leadership now at Lincoln Public Schools. We'll get into that a little bit and more. This is Lincoln Business Beat. Do you need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, other equipment for your business? Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm, machinery, trucks, trailers, and other big-ticket items. Now, whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure and free to use, and it gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Just visit GoCurrency.com and fill out an application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, DBA Currency. Pursuant to CFL license 60DBO-54873.
pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Back with Lincoln Business Beat, Bud Seinhorst, Mark Vale. Uh, local budget process underway. We've got the uh, mayor's proposed budget, uh, things like that. A lot of money for the city of Lincoln to operate. Well, there is, and it's, you know, the summertime is always an interesting time because our local political subdivisions, the county board's looking at their budget, the Lincoln Public Schools are looking at their budget, the city of Lincoln looks at theirs and, and you know, starts moving through their budgeting process where it really becomes available for the public. And one of the things that is interesting right now, I think, is we we heard earlier this week the LPS budget's about a 5.8% increase. Uh, we're starting to dive into that and kind of look into where are the changes, what are the increases. The city of Lincoln's budget has increased by 7%, which I think is interesting because we're, we're in a huge inflationary time. And, you know, people are seeing that. Business owners are seeing that. Everybody in Lincoln is seeing it at the gas pump, at the grocery store, and everywhere else where they go out and buy their goods and services. And so it's been interesting to see the priorities. I think uh, about 70 FTEs being added at the city of Lincoln, which when you every time you add an FTE, that's kind of a long-term budget uh, investment. And so we're taking a look and trying to figure out, talking to council members and getting their perspectives on the budget. Where do they see the priorities? Where do they feel about adding several FTEs, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. The county board has come out and said, we're not going to add FTEs. We're freezing FTEs. Yet the county board is advocating for some uh, positions with the city, um, for the city to add positions uh, with public health nurses and some of those kind of things. So it's kind of interesting to see the dynamic of how that plays and why would we allow the county to dictate more FTEs to the city. So, But it is nice to see collaboration and, and having those two entities working together, is it not? It's nice to see them working together, but it's kind of interesting when one yeah. says no FTEs, but here, you go ahead and add these <laughs> FTEs and we'll, we'll just pass the buck. So, you know, we're trying to dig into that and, and get into that. And I think over the next few weeks, we'll probably talk a little bit more in depth about some of the different budgets and what we're seeing in those budgets um, one of the things that, that really I think the city probably needs to look at prioritizing, uh, it's happy to see they're looking to add more police officers. Now, hopefully we can get out and recruit more police officers because as you hear all the time, we need more officers. And so hopefully they can find some unique strategies to try to recruit new officers. Uh, I know the chief is working on lateral classes from other places within the state where they can move through an academy quicker for some of the training. So hopefully they can use implement some of those great strategies. And I think there's also a look at public safety in general, even LFR and, and some of those are looking to expand and, and recruit as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. LFR is always recruiting and trying to get to, to the point there at a higher staffing level. And, and one of the reasons that a lot of people don't understand is 
we need to try to find more ways to avoid overtime because you see overtime becomes a huge expenditure when you don't have enough staffing. And so, you know, LFR's also got to address some structural issues in a few of their stations. Um, I know this fall they're going to be tearing down the station at 17th and Van Dorn and rebuilding because of some structural problems that have happened. So there, there's some good investments in public safety. And I think as a community, we always agree that public safety is a really important issue to us. And we want to make sure that we have the officers and the firefighters and the EMTs to respond when we need when we need them to, to be there. And, and we've got to admit, a growing city, a growing population, uh, it it takes more money uh, because we're bigger. Yeah, and it you know we're we're growing. I think the South Beltway over the next few years is going to be interesting to see what happens growth wise because as that Beltway goes live, and I I hear that we might be able to drive on it this fall, and then the exits will be completed sometime next year. As that Beltway happens, and there's more travel along that Beltway, I think we're going to see a lot of things coming up down there. Restaurants, hotels, you know, retail, housing. I think you're just going to see some growth, and obviously we're going to need to cover that with public safety. And that's where you get into annexation and and less for the county to have to worry about more for the city and and things like that. So it's it's not an apples and oranges situation. Uh, It's a a fruit salad. Yeah, it is. It really is. That's a a fruit salad is a good way to put it. Um, LPS also working on their budget, county working on their budget. so it's the process that they go through. Yeah, it's the process, and it's an interesting process. You know, once we hit the late July, early August, we're going to start having the public comment. So you'll see Leva out there uh, talking about the budget. And one other thing I just want to mention on the city budget that we're really paying attention to is the investment in streets, because I think the investment in streets is a, a huge a huge thing for our city because we hear a lot about streets and we passed a quarter cent sales tax three years ago. Um, that's set to sunset here in a few years. But also what other kind of investments from the general funds are we seeing? And, you know, the good news for the city of Lincoln is they're collecting about an extra million bucks a month in sales tax revenue. So above what they've projected. So some of that's coming from the internet sales tax that went into play here about 18, 24 months ago. So we're seeing more of that revenue. So really, we're interested in seeing what kind of investments in infrastructure for our community that the city's going to make, and the county as well. Yeah, county infrastructure is is really in need of some some help. Yeah, I mean, the the roads and bridges are the things you hear a lot about from the people in the county, and, and what can we do for the infrastructure and Obviously, public safety because the county has the sheriff's department and some of those other things. So a lot of big issues out there. You know, when we get to LPS, LPS is opening a new school this fall and a new school next fall. So, you know, obviously, when you open more schools and you have more students, you have more teachers and, you know, the electric bill and the gas bill and the water bill for all those um, buildings. And so. You know, I think we'll see some of that as we work through that budget process. And speaking of LPS, welcoming a new head of the Lincoln Public Schools, superintendent uh, coming down from Sioux City, Iowa, Dr. Paul Gosman. Yeah, Dr. Gosman's going to start here uh, July 1st today. So uh, it's his first day, so we welcome him to Lincoln and uh, look forward to meeting with him. Uh, he, we've got, I've got a meeting set up with him to just kind of introduce him to the business community and start 
you know, that open line of communication. And as we talk about Dr. Gaussman coming in, I, I think it's only appropriate. Personally, I want to thank Steve Joel for all that he's done for our, our city and for our schools because he's been here for about 10 years or so, which is really a long lifespan for a public school superintendent. Um, he's really worked with, with LEBA really well. And I think one of the, from a business community perspective, one of the great accomplishments that I'd like to recognize Dr. Joel for is the collaboration with Southeast Community College for the Career Academy. The Career Academy has been a great training ground for high school students in a lot of different areas. They've got, you know, the skilled trades. They've got uh, health trades. They've got uh, they've got a criminal justice program, which is outstanding for kids. And the great thing is those kids are not only getting experience, but they're also gaining college credit. And we have a daughter that's headed off to college this fall who is taking 24 college credits with her when she goes to college in criminal justice. So I think that's a really big accomplishment for Dr. Joel and the schools and our community. Great uh, collaboration there. And then uh, even having that extended now into the high school programs as well. Got the aviation program at uh, North Star with Duncan. You've got the the new Northwest High School that's uh, got the educational opportunities with the Bryan College of Health Sciences. Uh, these are these are huge uh, improvements, and that just goes to show, and you, you can see it in the program and in the results, uh, Dr. Joel made a huge impact on the LPS programs. On the programs, but also on the business community, too, because preparing those students with those kind of skills, I was really excited last year. We worked with uh, the Career Academy, and we put together a career fair. And we had 52 local businesses out there talking to the students out at the Career Academy. And they're getting applications from students in order to to hire them for summer to gain that experience. So it's great from a business perspective, too. That's a great investment in our community, in our students, and our workforce. And a special honor, if you will, uh, for Dr. Joel, as well as their, uh, he's going to have his name on in granite, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so to speak there. Uh, the LPS district offices are being renamed the Steve Joel District Leadership Center, which I think is a great a great tip of the hat to Dr. Joel for a nice career and, and a great impact on Lincoln. I saw a video yesterday on Facebook. Um, you know, sometimes you'll see at schools they'll line the, the hallways for the graduating eighth graders or whatever, and they did that at the district office for Dr. Joel, and you could tell that that really moved him. And so I appreciate the conversations we've had. And then I'll just take one other kudos to Dr. Joel really quick, and that is he was very steadfast during COVID of keeping the students in school. When we got them back into school, he was very steadfast in making sure the students were going to be in school, which I think was important for the kids and it was huge for the business community because they didn't have to worry about how am I going to get to work and make sure my kids are taken care of and, you know, if they have to come home and those kind of things. So, and, and that took a lot of courage because there were times that that wasn't the most popular decision. And I appreciate, and I know the business community appreciates Dr. Joel doing that. And I, I can uh, echo that from the news perspective, having been in the broadcast business for 
45 plus years, uh, Dr. Joel was always willing to discuss things. All he had to do was ask him, uh, but he had also set up and, and had a, a communications effort within the district that was one of the best that I've ever had to work with, with a, a public institution, if you will. So appreciated that from my perspective. Yeah, he and I met on a regular basis over coffee, and we're still going to do it after retirement just because of the great conversation. But it was a great open dialogue between the business community and Dr. Joel. This is our inaugural Lincoln Business Beat, but uh, Leba is making this possible along with us here at KLIN Radio. But uh, Leba's got quite a story. I, you know, I love the story of Leba. I've been fortunate to be the Leba CEO now for almost three years, and I've been a member for about nine years. And what I love about our organization and what is, I think, very unique to a lot of places is about 42 years ago, in the, well, it was late 70s, but Leba was established in 1980, a group of business owners got together, small business owners got together, and they felt like the business community didn't have the voice they felt it needed in our community, whether it be at City Hall or at the county or with the schools or the legislature. And they decided those small businesses needed a voice. And and that's really cool being the CEO of an organization that started with that mission. But we live that mission every day. You know, we talked about the budgets and we get involved in different matters at the legislature throughout the year but these small businesses, so many of these businesses, they don't have a hired lobbyist. They don't have someone that's paying attention to the regulations at the city, state, federal level. And we can play that role for them and be that voice for them because small business owners, especially as we've seen in the last two years, have had some struggles that they've got to go through to keep their business open, to meet the payrolls, all of those kind of things. And to be able to serve in that role and in that capacity for them is it's a great honor because without Leba, I think that voice maybe gets drowned out a little bit. And in full disclosure, uh, I work at KLIN in the news department uh, on air, but I'm also a Leba member for a digital design company that I'm the managing partner of. So I want to make sure that I've got full disclosure that I understand the Leba mission and live it in, in a very small business. There's three of us. Oh, yeah. And we're all virtual. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, believe me. We don't have either the time or the the money to have a lobbyist or even do the the type of analysis that Leba provides us. So yeah, it's for, great. And I I mean full disclosure, I own a small business too, and I work in the professional political consulting world. And my business has been a, a Leba member since we started, and it's because number one, I believe in Leba, but number two, the connections that we're able to make, and in, you know even beyond the the voice of small business. We we provide opportunities to connect business owners to what's happening in the community. And so we, we do networking. We do events every month to try to bring issues that are important and pertinent to business right to the forefront. So we're excited about that. I love it. I it, It's not hard for me to talk about LIBA to people every day and talk about our organization and why we're valuable to the business community. Well, that's a lot of what uh, is going on and what we've looked back at, uh, the the election, uh, the budget process, the history of LIBA, but LIBA is also active right now, got things going on. Absolutely. Um, you know, during COVID, one of, the most thing, one of the most important things for me as the leader of the organization was we wanted 
to be there for the business community. I wanted, when the phone rang, I wanted to answer it. We never shut our offices down. We modified our schedules, but that office was open and, and open for business every day. And I'm proud of that because we were able to provide a lot of resources to businesses. We worked with the Small Business Administration and Congressman Fortenberry to put information in front of business owners. We were doing that on a regular basis. And we try to address the issues that are important to business. I mentioned earlier about career fairs and connecting business owners to workforce. With such a low unemployment right now, our business owners need people to work. So we've been able to do a few of those. We've held a seminar for business owners where we talk about, you know, recruiting employees and how do we vet employees and how do we... How do we market ourselves as a business in order to find employees? We had a speed networking event where people can just come and meet, you know, and connect with people maybe that make sense for their business. We're working on a retention symposium for people to talk about how do we retain employees. We're heading into some um, economic times that are a little scary. Uh, how do we want? How do we? How can we provide the resources to businesses? so they can retain their employees. So we try to be that very proactive, very uh, to-the-moment, issue-oriented group that's providing education to our members on issues that matter to them, but things to help them with running their business and what we can do to connect them to the resources they need to run their business. And if you need more information or want more information, uh, L-I-B-A dot O-R-G. Correct. Liba.org or 402-466-3419. You can call our office. We're here to be a resource to the business community because we care about the future of our community. Thanks, bud. This has been our inaugural Lincoln Business Beat from KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association. Reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community here in and around Lincoln. Along with Liba President Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. Thank you, Mark. We look forward to a lot of these.